Hello, everybody. My name is Steve Smith. I'm the editor of PhD News Magazine. And today I have the great pleasure of talking to Russ Cheney, the CEO of the IATMO Group. Russ, the I in IATMO certainly stands for international. So I'm assuming you heard a, a lot of things about the coronavirus, perhaps before we did here in, in the United States. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, you know, Steve, it's a real pleasure for me to be with you and spend some time talking about some of the challenges that, that not only the IATMO group has to address, but frankly, the broader challenges that our industry has given this global health emergency. And it just reminds me of 2002, 2003, and then the post-2008 global financial crisis. This crisis that we're dealing with now is truly unprecedented, and the nature of both the global health emergency combined with the economic implications is overwhelming for many. So, you know, IAMO's approach has been, look, we've got resources, as you mentioned, you know, IAMO has been promoting services around the world for the better part of 25 years now. Mm -hmm. And part of those services are to act as a technical facilitator, a model code developer, you know, standards development for both products as well as personnel credentialing. And it's storing economic and global health-related concerns such as this most recent coronavirus. I'll give you an example. In 2002 and 2003, WHO, the World Health Organization, put together an 11-member subject matter expert panel of predominantly doctors, microbiologists, and there was one plumbing industry representative invited. And that was a clear indication that WHO recognized the value that the plumbing industry brings to global health health and safety. And we're going to need that now. Organizations like ours or the contracting sector, labor, engineering, manufacturing, we're all in this together. And I think that's why we've taken steps to make our codes and standards accessible without having to pay a fee during these challenging times. That's some of what we've initially undertaken to try and be as responsive as we can. Good. I want to ask you a little bit more about the standards. But before we do that, I mean, again, we talked a little bit before we started recording our conversation today. And, you know, California was one of the first states, maybe the first state to order essentially a lockdown. And you mentioned this is the sixth week that everybody has been basically staying at home. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what's going on with IATMO? You know, where are you working? Where is everybody else working? What's what's going on? Yeah. And I suspect, Steve, we're not unlike many of your readers or perhaps the manufacturing community that you've spoken with. You're right. California was the first state to implement shelter-in-place order. And about six or eight hours after California implemented that, the state of Illinois did likewise. And it's mm -hmm. kind of ironic because both of our world headquarter buildings here in Ontario and our eight to 10 different laboratories, plus our upper Midwest regional office, which is in Mokina, Illinois. So our major offices and laboratories have now all come under, in essence, two states that were the earliest to implement shelter in place. So that changed the game overnight. Having, however, lived through 2008, the financial crisis, and then 2002, 2003, the original SARS virus, we learned a lot. And as a consequence of that, we've, you know, we've beefed up our reserves over the years in anticipation of these types of challenges. Now, we could have never 
predicted a global health challenge like we've been living for the past four or five months now. But it's a good indication of how our industry needs to be responsive and needs to act decisively. And it was through that initial process that the WHO put in place in 02 and 03 when this latest virus occurred. I was on the phone with the staff at WHO in Geneva, primarily with respect to healthcare facilities. That's where the plumbing industry in particular has made immeasurable contributions to those that are in the most vulnerable position when they're in the hospital, intensive care. Those folks need the protection of the plumbing industry, and we've been able to exhibit that we can be an effective contributor. So that's important. Good. Now, what are the big challenges that the members of IATMO are facing? Construction's kind of at a halt, I suppose, but in, in some cases, it's still going on. But you still have to check the work from a code official standpoint. Obviously, your work continues on testing and certifying products. What are some of the big challenges right now for you guys? Yeah, well, you know, IATMO's membership is predominantly municipal employees, inspectors, plumbing, mechanical solar, spa, gas, medical gas, you know, propane, natural gas. We've got capabilities that we can bring to bear quickly, but the COVID-19 presents challenges on multiple levels. And IAMO, I suspect, is no different than any other code or standard developer. We've got a very, very substantive portfolio of standards. And as I mentioned, those standards are predominantly product standards, but they're also personnel credentialing standards. The perfect example is our ASSC professional qualification standards that address concerns Ironically, bloodborne pathogens, you know, our industry, guys working in the trade are cutting open DWV systems. The virus has been validated to survive within building drainage. So that's why we put out immediate guidance and we made our standards available so that the industry could understand the precautions that they need to take in order to safely work on systems and not contaminate themselves. That was a big finding in the original, the 2002 SARS outbreak. At that point, it wasn't known whether the virus could survive within the DW drainage, waste, and vent systems. Sorry, I'm using acronyms that perhaps not everybody would recognize. So making standards available. One of the other real challenges are continuing education deadlines. You know, inspectors, master plumbers, most states have continuing ed. You got ASPE members of the engineering community also has continuing ed. So we've worked with some states, and Nevada is a good example that I can think of. Utah is another one that had quite rightly recognized the necessity of extending CEU deadlines, given you know what we've all been living through here. So that's another level of recognition that the municipalities or the state agencies have to adapt and be flexible, no different than any other business during these difficult times. And I'm curious on that education front, the extension of the deadline is good news, but what is going to take place perhaps online as opposed to classroom settings? You know, Steve, I learned early on in my career when I was a plumbing contractor back in New Jersey that oftentimes during times of stress or, you know, just what we're living through now, sometimes opportunities come along and you have to be open-minded enough 
and flexible enough to assess opportunities. Mergers and acquisitions are the obvious example. When we lived through 08, we had acquired the American Society of Sanitary Engineers, the Radiant Professionals Alliance. These were all acquisitions that we did either during or immediately subsequent to either 9-11 or 08, the global financial crisis. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that we always keep our eyes and ears open. It's challenging to manage these economic downturn and global health emergencies. You know, rarely do you have them happen at the same time. But that's what's so unprecedented about what we're living through now. So you learn to adapt. You mentioned earlier, we're now doing education. All of it is online. And our product testing, product certification businesses, all of that is now online. We can't send inspectors or auditors to plants in China or Taiwan, Hong Kong, wherever the plants may be. So we've had to adapt. And when you adapt, you start to realize that, you know, what you thought was something that might not be the right time to implement. Well, at a necessity, you're able to prove that you can be creative and think outside the box and bring on capabilities with the technologies that are now available you know, video conferencing, the go to meetings, the Cisco WebEx. So what that has done is it's forced us to approach what we've always managed very comfortably. These types of challenging times make you adapt. And then you start to realize that, you know what, you can serve your clients better. You can save them a ton of money because now there aren't travel costs to send an inspector to a plan in Guangzhou or Xiamen or wherever the plan may be. There's always opportunity during challenging times. You just have to know where to look, I guess, or position yourself. Sure. Russ, I know also on your website, and and we posted on ours as well, you've got a whole host of COVID-19 resources for the plumbing and mechanical industry. And one of the newer ones I saw come across my news feeds was yesterday afternoon, where you basically made standards free to fight the COVID-19 situation. What went into that decision? That must have been a a pretty good size one. You've got probably 20, I think, 25 standards here that are going to be free now. So what made you do that? very simple. We feel an obligation to our industry and to society. And that may sound like an ice cream and apple pie type of thing, but the reality is what our industry does is important to global health. You can't overstate that level of importance. And by us allowing users of codes and standards to access the technical criteria within each of our documents, whether it's the codes or the standards, you can't believe the sense of relief that one gets when the information that they're trying to source all of a sudden becomes readily available for free. And you just got to help them find whatever resource it is they're looking for. And oftentimes it's a professional qualification standard or, you know, one of ASSE's PQ or professional qualification standard is for bloodborne type pathogens or other viruses that can exist within the DWV systems, drainage waste and vent systems in the typical home or like commercial industrial type of buildings. And we need to make sure that workers are protecting themselves and they're being given proper guidance, both at the national level as well as the state level. 
Mm-hmm. So IATMO feels an obligation to be responsive to that. And we're not the only ones, certainly, Steve. I mean, you know, NFPA, ASTM, ASME. I mean, there's numerous ones that are making their key standards available for free just to do our part to help the industry. Perfect. Well, another bit of news that I read a week and a half or so ago, you know, obviously we know that plumbing and HVAC is an essential service as it should be, but you are also looking for some congressional support, I guess, to support trade associations and professional groups like IATMO. Can you give me an update? I mean, I know you're sent a letter to Congress, but is there anything new to report on the status of some of the things you're asking for? Yeah. You know, over the past two days, I've been going back and forth with some of my key staff to try and determine where Congress is at. And what happened, Steve, is first of all, there are what are known as 50C3s and 50C6s. Those numbers are simply IRS designations for the type of nonprofit or charity various organizations fall into. C3s are charities, C6s are nonprofit that are typically trade associations or professional societies. So when the second phase, that $2 trillion package came out a couple of weeks ago, it only addressed C3s and not C6s. Many of IATMO's nonprofits are C6s, as are many others throughout not only our industry, but throughout the country. So when that first funding package came out and it didn't cover or provide benefit for C6s, that was a big problem, not only for IATMO, but others in our industry as well as beyond our industry. So we chose to reach back out to the White House, to leaders of Congress and the National Governors Association in different letters and communicates from us, really asking, imploring them to understand that C6s are just as important as C3s. It's simply a different designation, but we're all nonprofits at the end of the day, and we're making major contributions to society. And we've got to be able to keep our employees in play for as long as possible. And that payroll protection plan is a very, very good plan. The problem is they ran out of money within the first 10 days or so. So I know of, you know, for example, I have the privilege of chairing the board of directors of the American National Standards Institute. Well, ANSI was one of the organizations that had been pre-qualified as eligible for that second phase of funding because ANSI is a C3. Well, when they made application to their bank late last week, the bank told them the money was all gone. Yeah. And you may have seen one of the businesses was a steakhouse, a very popular steakhouse. So there's some debate going on in Congress. And if you've been monitoring the news, I think both the Democrats and the Republicans are now getting very close on perhaps another 250 to 300 billion, which hopefully will allow the C3s that didn't get funded during the initial round to have access. And then, of course, organizations like IATMO, ASPE, and some of the others that are C6s are hoping to get some of that payroll protection plan money. Well, good. And hopefully, a lot of small contractors, which are That's right. of, our, of our magazines, so hopefully that will be added to the funding the, package. Yeah, right. the payroll protection provisions. Yeah, good, good. Well, hopefully that'll be the case. We'll have to wait and see. Now, here in California, it's been, what, six weeks of a lockdown. What's going on now? Are you, are you almost going to be able to leave the house pretty soon? Or? Yeah, well, you know, 98, I think I may have mentioned, significant number of our staff 
both here in California, in Illinois, in Washington, D.C., and Birmingham, Alabama, where we have other remote offices. The vast majority of staff are working from their homes. You know, the key here, I think, Steve, when we assess California and Illinois, which is where the vast majority of our North American employees work from, both, as I said earlier, both of those two states were the first two to implement shelter in place, which was on or about March 20th. I don't remember the exact date, but it's six weeks ago, in essence, five and a half weeks ago. And so as, you know, as we discussed earlier, we've adapted using different IT tools. And we've been fortunate that we haven't had any bandwidth problems or communication problems. But I I think we're looking at another four weeks of this. I don't see us coming back until mid to late May, uh, both, both California and Illinois. And the ironic part is, you know, Chicago now is is a bit of a hot spot. But LA, California, and Los Angeles, because we got out in front of this a bit earlier, our numbers have been dramatically lower per capita than what you've had in New York or Louisiana and You know, some Boston now, Philadelphia, Chicago, some of the other major cities are starting to try and, you know, get that curve pointed down. But we've got some challenges. And I I am very concerned about some states opening up too soon. But, you know, you understand it when you look at the financial pressures, the folks not getting paid. And it's a a real tragedy. Truly is. Yeah, it's a tough situation, to say the least. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I, I appreciate the time you've given us. Is there anything COVID-19 related I haven't asked you that uh, you'd like to talk about? Well, you know, COVID-19, as I said, Steve, is is unprecedented in many ways, but it's also presented an opportunity for us to get out of our comfort zone and try and predict what the world's going to look like in six months. As we said, you know, some of the innovative technologies that the tools that are available to organizations like IAMO will, I think we're going to see some dramatic changes that will result from us having to shelter in place for two or three months. So in that respect, you know, you always look for value or positives during difficult times. And the COVID-19 experience has been one of the most difficult in my entire 40 plus years in this industry. So we've learned a lot and we continue to try and make sure that our employees and our members are safe and are ready to go back to work as soon as we can. And by the way, compliments to you guys. Your off-the-cuff area on the PHC Pro's website has been an invaluable resource for us. So we wanted to just give you guys a shout out for helping the industry access information. Well, thank you very much for that compliment. And on that high note, I think we should end our conversation. (laughs) Good luck, Steve. We'll be able to talk soon and and see each other somewhere down the road. Hopefully soon. All the best. Bye, Bye, Steve. Bye-bye.